Great. So thank you very much, Kala. So this is a nerve, nerve, nerve-wracking moment for me. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, so it's the first time that I'm preaching in church this morning, and it's going to yeah, be quite an interesting experience. Um, and this week, while I was uh, just busy preparing, um, I was reminded by so many things. Um, and as Kala just said this morning, just of God's faithfulness, I remember... Uh, the first time when I got, when I got saved, um, I was about 16 years old when I got saved. Um, and a few of me and my friends, we decided that, hey man, you know, this whole Jesus thing, it's, it's good news, you know. And if it's good news, you know, how can we get this to as many as people possible, you know. So what we decided to do, we went to our pastor and said, hey, you know what, we would love, love, love to get this message out. So... Can we please borrow the, the church sound, okay? So we borrowed the whole church sound. So we had speakers and everything. And we would set up this sound system every Sunday morning at 4, between 4 and 5 in the morning. Whether it's winter or whatever it is, we would set it up outside the house. And then we would start playing gospel music. So you can imagine, you know, like just the, I don't know, agony that's going through people's, you know, just uh, ears at that morning, that morning hour. So what would begin to happen is um, at around 5, we would start preaching. So just imagine three 16-year-olds in winter time. I mean, our hands were, our fingers were blue. But we would just like preach and preach and preach and preach. I mean, I don't know what we preached. And it would be scary if someone would, would have taken a video at that time. So, um, so we would preach. And then the, the most amazing thing for me in this time was just a... Uh, the, the attacks that we would get. So obviously it's understandable that people you know, are going to work and all those kind of things. Um, so we would get all sorts of people coming up in the morning and say that you guys are making a noise, you know, I have to go to work and all of this and all of this and all of that. Uh, but, but a lot of it won't be just attacks because people want to rest, but it would be attacks because people don't want to hear the message of Jesus Christ. So what would begin to happen even in this moment is we would then start getting people from, from, from other sides, you know, saying, hey, I live about a kilometer away from you or I live about two kilometers away and I was lying in my bed. I had suicidal thoughts in my bed and then all of a sudden I had this small voice of this boy preaching about Jesus and how he can give life. And then we would see as 16-year-olds how people's lives just transformed before us. And these were, those were precious, precious moments of just seeing the life of God. Just real. I mean, imagine 16 year old. What possibly can you be preaching about? You know? So all we preach about is obviously just the grace of God um, and, and just the experience that we have had in Jesus. Now we've changed our lives. And that's all we had, just to, to, to share that message. So I really believe that this morning, yeah, just what, what I'm going to speak about is, is something that. Uh, that will make sense, first of all, and I, and I pray that it will be something that all of us can take away and that it can be helpful uh, just in our, in our walk uh, with God. And uh, this morning while I was praying and, uh, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, thinking through stuff, I remember the first time, even in this time, as six year old. So what happens was the attack was, was, uh, was so much that we decided, okay, we're not going to take the sound anymore, so we're going to leave the church sound. Uh, but now we're going to walk street by street, you know, uh, in, the, in the community that we lived in. And we're going to, you know, and that way a lot more people would hear the gospel. So we would literally, uh, with one of our pastors, who was a, he was actually an evangelist uh, in church. We would then, uh, three of us, and then this older guy. He was married, he was an evangelist in church, one of the church leaders. And we would walk street by street preaching the gospel. Um, and I remember one morning, we were busy preaching, it was about six in the morning. 
and then we were, we were approaching my street, you know. So in my street, people didn't really know that I, I, I got saved. You know, it was one of those things that my mother looked at my life and said, there's something different about you, but I, I, I can't, you know, put my finger on it. Like, I don't know what's, what's going on. And I remember just like walking into our street and then as we walked into our street, my pastor looked at me and said, Godfrey, now it's your time. And I remember like in me, I was like, please, please, please don't let me preach in my own street. These people know me, you know, it's going to be really awkward. You know, and that's, when, that's the time when he looked at me, he's like, Godfrey, it's your turn now. And I remember just starting to walk down in my, in my street and then I started preaching. And then I got like close to my house and then my mother picked out. She's never heard me preach anymore. She's never really like had me speak about Jesus or anything. Um, and I remember her like just going out because she recognizes the voice of her son. And immediately she ran into the house. And I was so confused. I was like, oh man, you're like, I mean, what, what's that about? You know what I mean? This is your son preaching. You know, you should be proud, standing in the street, shouting amen or something. You know? Um, and, and that's what I want to say this morning. You all come to say amen, okay? Let's, let, let's preach together. Let's preach together. Um, so later on, I, I went home and I asked my mom, but why did you, why did you run away? You know, like, what, what, I mean, were you embarrassed, you know, or <laughs> what, what was going on? And then she said, Godfrey, when I walked out of the house, I, I, I firstly just heard your voice. And then I walked out of the house, and when I looked at you, I couldn't recognize you. She's like, I couldn't recognize the man that was busy speaking because I could see the power of God in that moment. And I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. So I just ran into the house, you know, and it was such a, really such a powerful testimony for me just to, to really see the life of God uh, that was upon my life at that time. And, and, and hopefully it's still, it's still upon my life. Okay. So, um, yeah, just to start this morning, I'm just going to speak a little bit about being watchful um, and just uh, being aware of the schemes or the enemy, I think we live in a day and an age where there's a lot of stuff contending and fighting for our time, fighting for our attention, you know, fighting for our lives. And sometimes we can be oblivious, you know, to the things that are, uh, that are just going, um, going on around us. So a few weeks ago, uh, it was actually, yesterday was about four weeks ago, um, exactly. Uh, Tumi was, uh, uh, was, was preparing to go to a baby shower in Kaimandi. And in the morning, I just told her that, hey, uh, you can go because we had a, um, like a late Friday. So I said, you can go to the baby shower. I'm just going to, you know, uh, be idle a bit in the bed um, and just to find a quick nap, you know. Uh, so, I, uh, so as I lay down my, she went and then I lay down my, lay down my head. Um, and then when I, when I, was, still, when I was sleeping, I, I had a dream. And in this dream, um, I could, but it felt so real. So in this dream, I could hear like sort of the water in our living room, um, the water of the washing machine. It, it felt like the pipe of the washing machine went out and then it was like it was busy flooding in our living room. So in the dream, I'm trying to wake up, you know, to quickly run to the living room to just check what's busy going on. Um, and the moment when I tried to wake up, I, I couldn't stand up, you know, like, and I'm like, you know, like fighting and, 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 and whatnot, but I just couldn't stand up and I'm like, what, what's going on? But it, this is all in the dream. And then I... Uh, so, so my head was covered with a sheet um, in the dream, and then uh, when I when I uh, when I just you know pull pull down the sheets and I, I I wanted to see what's going on, you know I could see that there was a power or force or something that was holding me down at that moment. So I woke up and then I looked beside of my bed, and then when I when I when I uh, looked at beside my bed, I saw this is in the dream. I saw a small boy. I saw pitch black. He was I mean. Uh, ashy and whatnot, you could see that this is not something normal, you know, and this boy was standing like this, 
in a fighting position, you know. Um, and I realized that, hey, this is, you know, a different power uh, that's at work at this moment, you know. So I started then in a dream. Just uh, So I taught myself at a very young, a young age that whenever I experience an attack in a dream or anything, the only thing, you know, is to call out the name of Jesus, you know. Um, so in a dream, I started declaring the name of Jesus. I started, you know, declaring scriptures and all this kind of stuff. And then this boy started backing out. You know, like as I was just like going and just quoting scriptures and just saying things, this boy was busy backing out. And then he went into the whole area where there was a camp that was busy going on. So I went to the leaders and said, and just told them, hey, you know what? There's something wrong with this boy. You know, he's, he's demon-possessed. You know, you, you guys should check it out. And the leaders were so oblivious, you know, like with just what was going on. I mean, they looked at him and they were like, no, man, we know this guy. There's, there's nothing wrong with him. He's, he's fine, you know. Um, and then I woke up to this dream very disturbed. I didn't know what was going on. So I spent time with God. And, uh, and I was like, Lord, but I, d- I don't understand what's busy going on. Um, and, and, and in this time, spending time with God, I realized how oblivious I am to the attacks of the enemy. You know, like I, I realized that, you know, sometimes I can carry on with ministry. I can carry on with work. I can carry on with, you know, with marriage and with friendships and with just everyday life. You know, that I totally become oblivious to what the enemy is doing, you know, around us. And I spent time, you know, just spending time with God. And then he took me to this scripture, Nehemiah 4, verse 7 to 15. So Saki will just quickly pull it up for us. So it, it reads as follows. It says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Esdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. It says, And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Then it says, And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is falling. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know Till we, till, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So I was just busy praying and and spending time with God. And and he took me to this scripture, you know, just to show me a couple of things. And first of all, something that I realized was my marriage was under attack, you know, because in the time I could see there was a lot of stuff between my wife and I that were small things, but, but, but all of a sudden they, they, they would become big things and would just, you know, start arguing and arguing. I was like, man, I know this is part of marriage, you know, like I know fighting is normal and, and arguing is normal, but there's, there's something that just doesn't click. And I was actually about to go to uh, Togo, um, and, I, and, and I called the guys in Togo and I was like, no, I, I have to cancel this trip. I need to be here because something is not wrong and uh, something, something is not right. And even in that time, um, I just started realizing that my wife, it, it seems like her heart was just weighed down, you know, just not a depression or anything, but it was just weighed down. I could see that she was not herself, you know. So in this time, God, you know, just, uh, you know, obviously revealed that we were under attack, you know, and that 
it was it was time to fight, you know. Um, and we were to be aware of the attack of the enemy and what the enemy was doing at that time. So let's just pull a, a couple of things on the scripture that we just read now. So the first of all is the the walls of 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 Israel of Jerusalem were down, and it says that. As Nehemiah came and as they were planning to rebuild those walls, the enemy was angry, you know. And when the enemy was angry, they started plotting, you know, to fight against Israel because they didn't want this wall to be rebuilt, you know, because the walls obviously represent, you know, just protection. Um, and if there's walls up, you know, the enemy can't come in to cause confusion and do whatever he wants to do. Um, so, so it says that, you know, they were very angry. They started plotting. Um, to fight against and to cause confusion uh, between the Israelites. Uh, but I, I love the response that Nehemiah gives and said, when they heard about these things, when they heard about the plans of the enemy, when they're aware of the plans of the enemy, it says they prayed to their God and they set a God. It says they prayed and they set a God as a protection against them day and night. I love this. Okay, so when they heard what the enemy was doing, they were aware of this attack. You know, so what they did is, they're just not going to stand there. They're just not going to be oblivious to what the enemy is doing. But they're going to set up a guard. They're going to set someone who's able to stand at the walls and look out. And if there's an enemy, this person would then announce, you know, like into, you know, the camp and say, Hey, there are people who are trying to attack us. You know, and they did this day and night. Okay, I, I love that. So pray and they set a guard. And then it says, so the strength of the people that were busy rebuilding, the laborers, you know, they also started, you know, like getting tired. But it wasn't just the, about, you know, just getting tired physically. But as they heard these different things that the enemy was plotting, you know, to come in, I, I think, you know, they got a little bit discouraged. And then it says, um, because the, this is what the enemy said, they will not know or see till we, come, till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. So this is what the enemy is saying, that, you know, they're not going to know what hit them, you know, kind of thing. You know, they're going to be so oblivious to our tech and to what we want to do is when they open up their eyes, we'll be among them and we will kill them and we will stop the work. Okay, that, that, that's what uh, the enemy was doing. And I think um, just th this, this doesn't just apply, you know, to the children of Israel, but I think it really is something that applies to us as well. You know, that, that as, we, as we live about the love of God, as we try to just work out the salvation with God, um, and as we live our life wherever God has placed us, that, that there's a text, you know, that the enemy is plotting, that the enemy is, you know, that there's things that he's busy strategizing and whatnot, you know, to, to take us out. You know, there's things that he's strategizing day and night, you know, to come against us. Okay, I need to, to relax now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. Okay, so, so hear this. I, I, I absolutely love this. It says, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, so where the gaps were in the wall, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. I just love this. So in the first one, they said that they set up a guard, a person who would look out. And who would warn the people and, and, and maybe even fight, you know. But, but then the second time is, so they've prayed, they've set up a God, but now they divided people in their different clans, you know. So different families and pe different people groups would stand at different parts where there were open gaps, you know. And they, 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 I mean, they were, there, they were ready to fight, you know. They didn't just stand there, but they were ready to fight. And I, and I absolutely love this because a few weeks ago, Carla spoke about that we're not just called to be a bride, 
We're not just called, you know, to be a family, but we're actually called, you know, to be an army of God, you know. And, and an army is an army that fights, you know, because we need to realize that the enemy is out there. You know, his plan, as we will look later in the scriptures, that is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we can't be oblivious. We can't just sleep, you know, like, and, and just, you know, like hope for something better. We have to, you know, set up a guard, you know, like we have to be watchful. We have to look out, you know, for the attacks uh, that he wants to plot um, against us. So, so they said... You know, people uh, by their clans with their, th- with their swords, their spears, and their bows, those who were ready to fight. So I wasn't in the, in the army or anything like that. I think, uh, Keith, were you, were you in the army? Is it? <laughs> okay, awesome. Oh, there's two Keiths, I'm sorry. There's another Keith behind you, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so who, who was in the army? Is there someone that was in the army? Anton, come on. <laughs> so Keith and, and Hank were, were in their army. I think you would, you would agree with me uh, that, that one of the things that, that a soldier needs to do, so if, you, if you're in the army, is you need to learn to be aware of your territory. Like you have to be aware at what's happening at any given moment because a split second of just sleeping or not being aware of what's going on, it, it could mean you, know, you could lose your life. You know, and it could jeopardize, you know, the, the, the life of other people as well. You know, so as a, as a soldier, while I was busy, you know, just getting this picture in my mind, you know, I get the, those movie pictures where, you know, like the soldiers like going on looking, looking all around, you know. And, and to be honest, that, that's what you need to do. I mean, even spiritually, you know, that, that's what we need to do. You know, like we need to be looking out, you know, like at every corner, not, not be paranoid or anything or be fearful or, or, or anything for, for the attacks of the enemy, but we need to be aware. We need to open up our eyes um, and to fight against whatever the enemy wants to bring, um, yeah, just wants to bring it against us. Okay. So let's just... Uh, Look at this, at this, you know, thing of what does it mean to be watchful? What does it mean to look around? What does it, what does it look like, you know, to be aware of the attacks of the enemy? And to, to just help us to, to look at this, uh, we're just going to consider a few scriptures. So the first scripture, um, it's like you can just pull it up for us. It's First Thessalonians 5, verse 2 to 8. First Thessalonians 5, verse 2 to 8. So it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night. Or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet and and uh, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. And also just this this thing in verse six says. So then, let us not sleep as others do. You know, so, so you can see that there, there is a temptation for us who are in Christ, you know, sometimes to sleep. That is really the temptation, you know, for us to, to not be aware, for us to, you know, not, not, not see what the enemy is doing around us, okay? Let's look at the second scripture, Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. 
It says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Come on. Like this is the most, you know, like, uh, you know, as I can imagine, most nervous time, you know, that Jesus was going through because he knew what was about to come, you know. And he takes these guys and says, okay, let's go up and let's go pray. And then he takes, you know, Peter and the sons of Zebedee a bit close and he says, okay, guys, you station be here and, and, and I'm going to leave you guys to be praying, you know, so, so pray. So let's see then what, what happens. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and he said to Peter, so could you not watch for me one hour? Okay, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay, so again for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, okay, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. Okay, so don't sleep now. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. You know, so just imagine this picture. You know, you're going through a rough time. You know, there's just a bunch of stuff that's busy happening, you know, around you. And you say, you, you tell your friends, hey guys, so I'm inviting you guys over, you know, for, for just a 24-hour prayer or, or something like that. Like we need to contend, you know, against what's, what's, what's happening. So imagine, you know, I invite, let's say, uh, Shanae and Jack, um, you know, and we say, hey guys, you know, just come over, come and pray with us, you know. And then Tumi and I say, okay, so you guys, we, we're just going to go to a different part of the, of the house and we're going to be praying there. But you guys be stationed here, you know, and pray with us. So imagine if we come back into the living room again and then we find, oh man, Jack and Shanae are having a nap, you know. I mean, imagine, you know, like what you're going through, you know. It's like, I'm, I'm going through this difficult time. You guys are part of our inner circle. You should be praying with us, containing with us, you know, but, but you're asleep. Come on, you know. And imagine we go back, we're like, okay, it's fine. You, you, you know, like wake up, you know, continue sleeping, you know, continue praying. And then we, we go into the other room and then we come back for the second time and they're doing this again. You know, they've fallen asleep, you know. I mean, this is, this is really just a, a, a picture, I believe, you know, what, what happens to us even spiritually at times, you know, like where, where we're just really not aware, like we're just, we're just sleeping, you know. And I really, um, I mean, the heart of this is not to, to offend anyone or anything like that, but, but it's just to really just to put out the warning. It's just to, to show us, you know, that at times, you know, we can be, you know, a bit, a, a bit um, oblivious. Okay, so the last scripture is First Corinthians 16. Verse 13, it says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. So I believe that by all these scriptures that we've read now, that it is, it is kind of clear, you know, that we can be oblivious. You know, and there's a big encouragement for us not to sleep, you know, to, to be awake, you know, to be aware of what's going on. So 
I, I went away and just looked at a, a few synonyms in other scriptures where they, uh, they just, you know, speak about this idea of what it means to be watchful. So I'm not going to read the scriptures, but I'm, not, I'm just going to put other words, you know, that are, um, that are just, that gives us an idea of what, what, what it means really when scripture says we should be, we should be watchful. So the first, uh, the first word is to stay awake. It is to be ready. It's to wake up. It is to be on guard. It is to see. It is to watch. It's to pay attention. You know, it's to be alert. It's to be aware. It's to take heed. You know, so it's to, to be in the moment, you know, and to, to realize what's, what's busy going on, you know, around us. And uh, I remember w- when I was growing uh, as a child, man, I, I had an amazing relationship with my grandfather. You know, like it's my late grandfather. And, uh, and it was really just a, a fun time, you know, just growing up with him because I, would, I didn't have a father, you know, so, so he was my father figure, you know, the guy that I look, that I look up to. I'm just going to borrow this chair just to, to demonstrate. So, so here's what would happen. One of our most favorite things that we would like to do with my grandfather, along with my uncles, we would um, sit down, uh, you know, around a fire, make a big fire, and then we'd just like sit down in the evening, and we'd just like, he will tell stories, they will tell stories, and it would be an amazing time, you know, so, so we would sit around the fire, around the fire like this, um, and while we're sitting down, so my grandfather hated it when one of us would fall asleep, like he didn't like it at all, you know, because he would be like, man, there's something that could happen, you could burn or, or whatnot, you know, you need to, you know, be awake, be here, be with me, let's enjoy this time together. So, so you would know that, you know, as a, as a guy, when, you, when you're wearing your pants and you're sitting down, sometimes it makes like a, you know, like something like an overlap or something, something like this. So what he would do is one of my, one of my uncles would, 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 you know, start doing, you know, like on, what, what, what do you call it? Fang uh, fish in Afrikaans. You know, he would start, you know, like doing that. And then what, what my grandfather would do is he would take a coal, you know. I mean, he had hard hands. He would take a coal. And then while, while you're sitting there, he would put the coal on the pants, okay. So obviously the, the cold sort of melts like into the pants. So you can imagine as you're sleeping and then a cold gets dropped into your pants, you know. And it was hilarious. Like my, my uncles would jump up and it just, and then now you're struggling like to get this thing out of you, you know. So, so, so but, but it was just this thing of him saying, come on guys, be, be, be awake, be here with me. It was one of my favorite things because I knew he wouldn't do that to me, you know. So I enjoyed it every single time, you know. Um, yeah, so so it was it was it was fun times. Uh, so, but it was just this this thing of you know him trying to teach us that even in life, you know, just you you have to be aware of of what's going on. So, so we've we've sort of pecked out you know like what this idea is, you know, being aware, taking heed, paying attention, being ready, be on guard, and just being in the moment and realizing what's busy happening around us. So, but you might ask, you know, you might be asking yourself, but. Why, why should we be watchful? Like, why, why is it important for us to be watchful? And it's actually scary, you know, like, as I was just looking at this, how, you know, obviously in the, in the Old Testament, they would set up watchmen, you know, um, and the watchmen of the world would be the people who are, as I described earlier, who would look out, you know, um, and who would be stationed to look outside if there's any threat or anything, you know, or any attack, uh, you know, against the city. Then there would be the people who would know first and go warn the other people so that they can be ready for, for a fight, you know. 
But, but it's scary in the New Testament, really looking and considering at different scriptures to see that this is actually quite a big, it's quite a, a big idea, you know, like of just being watchful and being awake. Um, and it's, it's really, as I was just looking at the scriptures, I was like, Godfrey, but in, in your life personally, this is something you should be taking seriously. You're like, it, it's something that you shouldn't just, don't just let it, let it pass you, you know. So, so let's just look a little bit about why do we need to be watchful. So the first one is 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter, it's a very popular scripture. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So the first thing why we need to be watchful is we have an enemy. We have an enemy, and this enemy is out. I mean, he prowls around like a roaring lion, and he's seeking you know, someone whom he can devour. You're like, I mean, he's not out to make friends with you. He's not out to, to like, make deals with us. He's out to, 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 for destruction, you know. In John 10, 10, you know, like it says that, you know, uh, Jesus, obviously, his heart uh, is, is for us to have life and have it all abundantly. But the enemy, his mandate, his sole purpose, why is he is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So it's a matter of life and death. You know, because day and night, he's, he's sprawling around. You know, that's why the, the first scripture we read in Nehemiah, they said, they said God day and night. You know, he doesn't take leave. Like when we sleep, he doesn't sleep. You know, he's constantly just looking for things to hold against us. He's constantly, be, be, because here's the reason. We are a people of God, ever advancing. This is who we are. You know, we're always advancing in the things of God. That's, that's God's heart. You know, that, that's who he has, he's made us to be, you know, and the enemy is not just going to stand back, you know, like and just accept, okay, no, it's, it's, it's fine, you know, the Christians can go on. You know, no, he's out to attack us, you know, he prowls around like a roaring, like a roaring lion seeking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this for me, honestly, the, the reality of this sank in when I was in, in, in university. So... I think I was about 20, 21 years or 22, I think, I think 22 years. Um, but I was at the university and we, we had a, a, a trip or a mission trip to Zambia, you know. Uh, but obviously as a student, you know, it's more like a, yes, a fun holiday time, you know. But, it was a, but obviously, you know, you, you want to go, you want to go minister, share the gospel with people and all of that. Uh, so we raised up money and everything and it was exciting um, and, 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 and my pastor said, okay, Godfrey, you're going to you know, go preach in Zambia. And I, yeah, I got scared. The outreach wasn't, I didn't look forward to the outreach anymore, you know, just, just for that part. But, uh, but we got to Zambia and it was really an amazing time. You know, like really we would see, you know, like what, what God was doing over there. Um, and, and, and I remember the, the Saturday before I would preach, you know, so, uh, so that Saturday, I, all of a sudden I got grumpy. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I identified with anyone, you know, like nothing, nothing, nothing happened. You know, like that sort of ticked me off or anything like that. I, I was fine. And then the next moment, I wasn't fine, you know. Uh, and and I, was, I was wondering, like, what, what's happening with me? Like, this, this, is, not, this is not like me. Um, so, so I started, you know, um, I, I actually took my Bible and I took my notes and everything that I was going to preach about the next morning. And I went into my tent and I locked myself up in a tent, told the guys, please don't bother me. You know, I'm just going to be spending time with God. So, so while I was busy spending time with God, is, so my sermon was already worked out. Like it was there, you know, uh, gathering dust. It was done and dusted, you know, like I was just ready to go in the next day. And then as I was busy spending time with God, you know, uh, you know, God said, God, for you, you'll have to, turn, you'll have to change your sermon. Like, you'll have to, to change what you're going to speak about tomorrow. So, so obviously, I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a professional speaker or something like that. Like, I've prepared this 
for a time in advance. And now all of a sudden, God is saying, you will have to change all of these notes that you have made because I, there's something that's at work and, and I want you to address that, you know. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be really, really difficult. You know, so I realized that the, 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 the reason why I was grumpy wasn't just, you know, like a thing, but it was a spiritual thing that was busy happening. So, so then God said, okay, God, will you have to speak about Exodus 3, you know, like the children of Israel being in captivity, you know, like and the enemy, you know, just oppressing them and all of that. And then he started revealing, like literally the Holy Spirit started revealing what was going on in the village. You know, the village where we were, it's called Chipepo. You know, it's next to the Zambezi River. It's a highly, highly spiritual place. Not in a good sense. You know, it's a, there's lots of gory, gory stuff happening. The water spirits and, and all of that, you know. And, and I hear God said, but I want to set my people free. You guys didn't just come from all the way from Bloemfontein to this place just to come and deliver just a, you know, Mickey Mouse sermon or whatnot. But I want to set my people free. I know exactly what they're going through. And I'm going to, you students, I mean, we were like 22 and I was probably one of the oldest guys there. So the other guys were like 19, you know, like 20 and whatnot. So, so no no one, you know, really knew what was, what was going to happen. So I said, okay, God, we'll listen. You know, um, I'll, I'll sit down and prepare. So I started writing my notes. And then the next morning came, um, and obviously church there goes for eight hours. You know, so before I could preach, there was like literally three or four hours of praise and worship, you know, because this choir sings, and then those per, per people sing, and then it's just like different things. Um, and, and so, so when, when that time came, you know, for me to preach, you know, started preaching about this thing, you know, that God... You know, just really wants to set you free. You know, like he knows exactly what you guys are going through. And he says that he wants to set you guys free. So it was a sermon. Well done. And then afterwards, we, we actually, there were a few people, uh, a number of people who, who, uh, who responded to the gospel uh, that morning. And even in the week as we were reaching out. So we decided we we're going to go baptize them in the Zambezi River, you know, with the crocodiles. Uh, and obviously, it was, it was just an adventure, man. You know, it's like you get to say that I baptized someone in the Zambezi. You know, I mean, that's hardcore, you know. Or for us, we thought it's hardcore. So, so, now, so, so we get to the Zambezi and we start, you know, like obviously praying and whatnot that really there's no crocodiles or anything, you know. And we trust in God and whatnot. And then, and then a friend of mine, uh, for the two of us, um, Ulrich was his name. Uh, it would be the first time, you know, for us to, to actually be baptizing, you know, like someone. So, so we get in and the guy says, okay, Godfrey Ulrich, you guys will be baptizing. And then we'll have a team outside, you know, who's just like praying and giving towels to the people as they get out and whatnot. And then we're like, cool, this is, this is good. So we get into the water and Ulrich is standing next to me. Um, so people start coming one by one. And then we start, you know, like just baptizing the people and whatnot. And it was, it was really amazing. Like we were so chuffed. And then all of a sudden, it, it really, I'm, I'm not kidding, it felt like that all of a sudden there's a, there's a change, like in just the, the atmosphere of, of just what's going on. And then I realized there were two ladies that were busy, you know, coming to us to baptize them. Um, on the other side was a, a, you know, like a lady that was, you know, she was, oh, sorry, on my side, there was a lady, she was really, she was big, you know, not in a bad way, but she, you know, she was a, she was a big lady, you know. But, but now, and no offense to, to anyone, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm just trying to describe, you know, like just the picture. And then, and then on uh, on Ulrich's side, there was this lady who was like, she was very like scrawny, small, and whatnot. So I'm like, in Afrikaans, you know, I'm like Ulrich, that's not my manier, what the girita ni gaan baptize ni. Want as ik ga gaan afvat, ze gaan niet meer terugkomen. You know, like I don't have the I don't have the energy, the power, you know, to pull her out. Of. She's gonna go down, but she's not gonna come up. You know, like I just don't have that strength. 
you know, so so Ulrich, you know, like he says, okay, good, because I mean, he was a, a Mr. Muscle, so so we're like, okay, Godfrey. So then I start communicating to these ladies that you know the the one that's coming to me, she should go to Ulrich, and then the small one should come to me, you know. But but I start seeing uh, this the small lady in in her face that something is wrong, like it feels like she wants to fight, you know, like or anything like or something. She's just going straight to Ulrich, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 you come to me, and then she will go over that side. This lady's not; she's just like coming to Ulrich, you know. So I go over to Ulrich's side, and then I take her, you know, to my side, and I say, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna baptize. So I start sharing with her what just what baptism means and whatnot, um, and then I take her, and then I say, okay, just put your put your hands here. Um, so that when I dunk you out, you can come back again. So I'd say, so Grace Murere, Grace was the name. I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I dunk her into the water, and then I bring her up. And when I brought her up, I've never, ever in my life felt so much strength. Like, it felt like she wanted to break, like this piece of my arm. It felt like she wanted to break it in two pieces. You know, that's when we realized that uh, something is wrong. Then she manifested in the water. And so she started manifesting, and all she wanted to do was get into, like, be uh, drawn into the water. And so I picked her up by, I don't know, what energy or whatnot. You know, I picked her up, you know, like, and literally, like, like this. So I'm holding her like this, and I'm carrying her out of the water so that the guys outside, you know, can, can pray for her. So we take her out, and then we pray for her, and then she, she gets delivered. And when she came, like, you could see, like, even in her eyes, like, the, even the whites were not, were not white anymore. You could see that it's something just... You know, there's a different power at stake, you know. And, uh, and when we took her out, we, we further realized the following day that, hey, she said that, I mean, that's how they describe it. She said that she was the second dancer, you know, for, for uh, the evil spirits, like within the village. So she was second in, in the ranks of all the dancers. So she would see, like, the deepest, you know, people who were doing gory stuff in that part of the, part of the country. She would see them face to face. She had access to them, you know. So she was quite, you know, high up. But here's really what, what freaked me out and what freaked the, the rest of the guys out. So, so when she got baptized, that evening she went to sleep. And then while she was sleeping, she heard that something was moving in the room. And then she woke up, put on the candle, she could see nothing. Same thing, she sleeps again, put, uh, she hears something, put on the candle, look, nothing. And then the third time she went back to sleep. And then as she woke up, you know, like to just see what, what, what's busy happening, is uh, they found a big snake, like in a, in a village. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Uh, in a room, uh, they found a big snake that was that was in a room. So they took the snake, killed it, and then they they burned it. Uh, so the next morning we came to her, and then she tells us this story. And then she t- she comes, and then she takes out all her stuff, like all the mooties and all the you know, like I've never seen things like that in my life. She starts taking out these stuff, and she says, "I'm delivered by the power of God, and I need like I, I need to break free from these things, you know. So please burn it and pray with me. Let's just you know pray that that nothing will will come up. So we could see that. You know, God really did set her free. And now, obviously, the enemy is not, is not happy with what's going on. So we burned these things. We prayed with her. Amazing. Uh, but amazing, the next morning, we came back and we said, Grace, how are you doing today? She said, the most amazing thing happened to me. You know, so she's never read the Bible in her life. But she says, so I went to sleep last night. And, and when I would, you know, like sleep, I would dream about, you know, like this old man, you know, like who would have uh, uh, something like a book on his lap, you know, and he would just read, you know, like, and I would read with him, you know, like, in, in this beautiful book, and then she said, I would wake up, and then I would write it down, you know, she said, I would fall back asleep again, and I would have the same dream of a different, you know, like, a different part of the book that we're reading, and this kept on happening, and then as we looked at this note that she made, it was scripture, 
You're like that. She's never seen a Bible in her life. She's never read the Bible. And it was actually scripture. You know, she says that I, I believe this is God, you know, just reading the scriptures to me. And it was, it was amazing. So we could see that there was a different power that was at work. And we need to be aware of this. And we needed to fight. We needed to take our swords, you know, like with the word, you know, to come up against what the enemy was doing there. And it was amazing to see the freedom, you know, like of just what, what was busy happening there, that God's business is really indeed to set people free. And if the Son of Man, you know, sets you free, then you are free indeed. And it was incredible just to see the, the freedom that, that, that God wanted to bring. Um, so the first point is we have an enemy and we need to be aware of that. So that experience made me aware that, you know, I shouldn't be oblivious. You know, we really do have an enemy. So the second thing, uh, let's look at First John 2, verse 15 to 17. So it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I think the second thing that's at stake here is that we live in a day, we live in an age, you know, like a time in history where where there's a battle, as I said, there's a battle for our eyes, there's a battle for our minds, there's a battle for our hearts, and ultimately, you know, a battle for, for our lives. You know, it's, and it's really a matter of life and death. And it's something that we shouldn't be ignorant to. So, so, so for me, there's, you know, like I, I like observing just the things that happens in my life. And, and, and one of the things that I've gotten to realize lately is if I come to my wife and I, and I start complaining like about things, maybe at work or, or just friendships or whatever it is, when I start complaining a lot, then, then for me, that's an indicator that there's, there's something like that I need to be aware of. There's something that's busy happening. Either I'm not spending time with God or I'm allowing things to just you know, like get into my heart. And there is really that battle that there's so many things around us that we, that we desire. There's so many fleshly things that we want. So the second thing for me is I love technology. Like I, I absolutely love gadgets, you know. So I found myself wanting to buy an iPad, wanting to buy this thing and wanting to buy that thing. And, and then I, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like why do I need this thing? Like why do I need an iPad, you know? But it's, it's really like uh, I'm, I'm so fortunate or, or just really grateful that, that God allows me to see, you know, like that I actually don't need those things. Like I'm just trying, you know, to feed the desire that my flesh has, you know, because I, I don't need this thing. Like, you know, like I, I really don't need it, you know? And there's so many things, as Jacques was sharing this morning, even with finances, you know, like where, where we just like want money or we want to spend on things and whatnot. And, and it just really, it just shows the, the condition of our hearts. And, and our hearts are really deceitful. Our hearts are really, really deceitful. And we need to really put things into place, you know, to really guard against those things. You know, so, so one of the strategies that I have, whether I travel or wherever I am to, to, to just help me, uh, to be aware of, you know, like this spending thing or wanting to buy a gadget or something like that is I go to the shop twice. So I go to a shop and then I would look at, so let's say I'm, I'm looking for an iPad and I would I go to the shop and I look for the iPad and then I ask myself, do I really need this? And then I don't buy it, you know, like and I go away, like completely, I go away home um, and I go consider this, I talk to Timmy and all of that stuff and then I go back to the shop. And then a lot of times, the second time when I go back, I, like, I really like God sobers me so much that I really just, I see that I really 
don't need this thing. You know, but for me, it's a strategy that I have to say that I'm not going to buy anything firsthand. You're like, I need to really know whether I really do need this thing. You know, so that second going to the shop, you know, like it just, it, it, it helps me to just guard against this. And I believe that we need to be putting things into place in order for us. We know what our triggers are. Uh, and you know, like in any kind of battle, in any kind of you know, like uh, war that there is, is the enemy is always looking for a gap. You know, like that's why you know uh, it says Sanballat and Tobiah and those guys. They were furious when the gaps were being closed because that's what the enemy does. He's always looking for that gap to take. Always looking for that gap, you know. So even in our lives, we need to be aware of the gaps that we have created, you know, like whether, you know, things in our hearts or whatever, you know, to be able to close those things, put things into place, you know, so that we don't fall for the attacks of the enemy. So, yeah. So how can we, as we trying to, to land this, uh, but this is a welcome landing, you know, in welcome we don't just land, you know, like it's a, I mean, a, a gradual one, you know. So, so as we start to, you know, just consider this is the last thing that I want us to see is, so how can we be watchful? You know, like what, what things can we put into place not to fall for the enemy, for, for the enemy schemes and to, to, to the things that he wants to, to bring for us. And I was just, uh, and I was considering this, this point specifically, like it, like I read this portion of scripture and it's something that we know so much, you know, and it just blew my mind, you know, just to see that, man, if, if we can really grasp the truth in this, like it's really, really something, you know, like that, that's able to deliver us. It's something, you know, like that's able to help us to be aware of the things, you know, like that the enemy like is trying to do. And it's a very popular scripture that we really love, especially in George Jen. We love this. So it says in Acts 2, 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I'm just going to read it again. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Like there's so many good stuff that's, that's tied into the scripture. There's really so, so many things that if we can grasp it, like it could really, really help us, you know, to just you know, be aware of what the enemy is doing and to guard our hearts and to guard our minds against whatever attack, you know, like may come for us. Because here's the thing, we're not just fighting for ourselves. We're not just fighting for ourselves. You know, the Bible says that we're all members of one another. We are the body of Christ. We are an army of, of, of Christ, you know. So, so we're not just fighting for ourselves, but we're fighting for someone next to us, for our brother, for our sister. That's why, you know, Nehemiah, they, they set people according to their clans. They said, it's not enough anymore to just set up a guard, but we need to take different people groups to put them at these gaps to be our protector. So each and every one of us is needed. Each and every one of us is needed in this, you know. So it says they, they, they devoted themselves. It's, it's not a, it, it wasn't lauded over them. You know, like it wasn't, you know, they weren't forced or anything like that. They devoted themselves willingly. You know, and I really believe that it is in devoting ourselves to teaching that we get to know the truth of God. You know, and, and just who He is and who He says we are. So, and in doing this, we, we don't fall for any scheme. You know, because as we consider the scriptures, we really get to know God's heart. You know, we really get to know God's thoughts, you know, over our lives and who He says we is. So we don't have to fall to anything that society says, you know, like whether it's buying a bigger house or buying a bigger car or anything like that. We know, you know, just where our identity is found. So first of all, is really in devoting ourselves to the teachings, you know. And as we do this, we're also able to discern the lies of the enemy, you know, because we know the truth. 
and, and, and here's the thing. Truth is not just an idea. You know, truth is not just a concept, but truth is a person. Truth is a person. Like, it's not just an idea that we ascribe to. It's not something that, 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 that sounds nice, you know, but, but truth is a person, you know, and his name is Jesus. You know, he's the truth. And as we consider the scriptures, we, we, we get to fellowship, you know, like not just, you know, uh, 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 just with, with, uh, with us, you know, as a congregation, but with, with Jesus, you know. Uh, so there's a first one is uh, being devoted, you know, to teaching um, and to really just knowing truth. And then the second one is, uh, this is one of the f- safest places we can ever be. It says they devoted themselves, you know, to fellowship. I love this. They devoted themselves to fellowship. So last year, um, I, I, God gave me a picture and I, I initially thought like it was for the worship team and I shared it with the worship team, but then I realized that it was actually something that was, you know, just even for the congregation itself, it was beginning of last year. And this picture that I had was of a, of a coal, so it was of a fire, you know, and, and in this picture I would see a hand that takes one coal and then would put it aside, you know, like while the rest of the fire is burning here. And then gradually, we all know this, it's common sense, you know, that the coal, the coal would just start dying, you know, and it would get at a point where it's completely, completely, completely dead, you know. And, I be- and, and with this, um, what, what I believe God was saying was that, Godfrey, just be aware for you yourself, but also like just within your congregation, never ever come to a point where you separate yourself. Separation is dangerous. You know, especially when, when, when there's a lot of things like that happens in our hearts. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to, to withdraw. You know, not to, not to lean into family. And I believe that, you know, in our lowest moments or the places where our hearts are, are, are weighed down, that's actually the time where we need to lean into family. That's actually the time where we need to lean into fellowship. You know, the time where we need to just have those brothers and sisters, you know, next to us, you know, just taking our, our, our hands up, you know, praying with us and standing with us, you know. So I really just want to just wanna urge everyone this morning and encourage you that, that whatever you are this morning, whatever you're going through, never ever fall for the temptation of of, of withdrawing, you know, always, you know, let your response be to lean into family. It doesn't matter what you go through, lean into family. And that's very, very, very important. So as we separate ourselves from the body, we make ourselves susceptible, you know, to the enemy's schemes. You would see that when, when a lion prowls around, you know, like he's always looking to isolate one, well, like whether it's a bark or whatever thing it's hunting, it's always looking to isolate one so that it can get into one. Have you guys seen that? Like, there's there's timeless of videos where, where you would see like a bunch of lions, you know, would go, you know, um, just chasing whether it's bucks or whether it's you know buffaloes or whatever it is, you know. But they would l- look to isolate one, you know. And it's that in in that isolation where we are we are susceptible, we are open, you know, to the attacks, you know. So so rather than leaning out and rather than you know isolating yourself, let let our heart's response be, you know, to lean into family so that we can really be uh, safe. Um, and where we can really just, uh, yeah, make sure that we that we're aware of what's what's going on around us, you know. So thirdly, um, it's 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 breaking bread, you know. So as we break bread as believers, we remind ourselves, you know, like of the of the power of the gospel and that which God has done. I mean, this is my favorite thing. Like I I love sharing the gospel with people. I can't help myself, you know, like to share the gospel with people, you know. And and I believe it's in you know as we break bread, we get to just go back and again, you know, just remind ourselves just the power that is found in the gospel and the, the depth, you know, of really just what God has done for us. You know, like, and, and that's really safe, you know, because as you, as you consider that, you know, it's, it's like weighing the cost, you know, you get to see that, man, you know, like God really, I mean, He saved me. 
You know, and, and I love what Leonard, you know, was saying um, a, a few months, a few months back, you know, like he was preaching about just understanding that the depth, like of just the, the sin that we're in, you know, that we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our trespasses. And it's in, you know, just the breaking of bread that we remind ourselves just of who, you know, Jesus is, you know, what God has done for us and just how changed our lives are. And we're able to guard against anything, especially in our hearts. And then the last thing is, uh, they devoted themselves to the prayers. And I believe that prayer is, a, you know, like it's one of the most important things in just really fighting off the enemy's schemes, you know. And, and a lot of times, as I said earlier, that in my life, when I come to a point where I'm not praying, that I, I, can, I, I can clearly see it. Like I can, I can see that I'm susceptible and I'm open to so many things that are around me. But as soon as you know, like I start you know, getting into that year again of really devoting myself to prayer, you know, like I, I can feel, you know, it's sort of just a, a hedge that's around me and I can feel that I'm protected in my heart, that my mind is protected. You know, uh, that's why, you know, Paul, even in Colossians 4, like he, he speaks about this and he says, be devoted to prayer. Being watchful in it in thanksgiving. You know, it says, be devoted in prayer. Not just, you know, like whenever I feel like it, you know. And, and, and that's, a, you know, for me especially, like personally, is, is I feel sometimes it's, it's nice to do, you know, like to pray. Sometimes it's nice to worship. You know, like sometimes it's nice to, you know, to do all the stuff that we should be doing. But then I, I, I get to see that sometimes it's, it's a battle to do those things. Sometimes I don't want to pray. Sometimes I don't just want to pick up my guitar and just worship God, you know, because I'm in this space, I'm in this circumstance and it's weighing me down that I don't want to do this. But I found that in my life that that's actually the place where I need to be leaning in and doing those things, where I need to pick up my guitar and be worshiping to remind myself you know, like of, 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 who, of who God is, you know, to, to pick up, you know, like lock myself in a room and just to start praying, you know, so that I can, I can just, you know, like... Um, yeah, just, just spend time with God. You know, so, so, so those are the things, you know, it's really, it's devoting ourselves to the teaching, devoting ourselves to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and then lastly, to praise. So as we now really landing this, as a, let's just consider our lives this morning. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have, have, have seen, but, but for me this week was like, it was like hell. You know, I really, like really, really, there was a bunch of stuff that, that was happening this week that I was just like, man, what's busy happening? But I knew that this, this, this morning, you know, just the message that God wants to get across, I knew that, you know, like it, it, it was a part of that, you know, so I, like there was just a bunch of stuff at work and not being lacquer. There was a bunch of stuff, you know, just with friendship, you know, with marriage and, and stuff that, that, that weren't lacquer. Like even last night, I was just being called into, you know, uh, uh, to, to scarce, you know, like where I work the whole time, even late till last night. And I'm like, I need to be sitting down, you know, I need to be getting my thoughts together for tomorrow morning. But then I'm just being called, you know, to and fro. But I, I realized, you know, that I, I was watchful. I could see, you know, like what the enemy was trying to do. He was trying to distract me. He was trying to, to weigh me down. You know, like he was trying to discourage me. Like, and it's, it's really um, important for us to be aware of those things, you know. So maybe you also have a, you also had a week like that this week. Or maybe you were just in a place uh, this morning where you really just feel weighed down, you know, like where you really feel like, you know, yes, I'm not in a lack of place. And even you could feel like with the worship and everything that was going on, you could see that there's, a, there's a, almost like a fight, you know, like there's, there's something going on and we need to be aware of those things, you know. Um, and I believe this morning that, that really God just wants, to, just wants to come and restore us. You know, it doesn't matter where you may find yourself this morning that maybe you, you realize that, hey, you know, like I'm not leaning into family. And I need to be leaning into family a little bit more. You know, maybe you realize that, hey, 
I'm not, you know, spending time in the Word, you know, like, and I need to be doing that, you know, like a bit more. Or maybe you realize that I haven't been praying, I haven't been breaking bread or anything like that, you know, and I need to be, you know, just leaning into these things more. You know, maybe you're in that place, um, and I'm not going to try to, I think Martinez or Carla will probably do the, um, just, uh, yeah, just end this, you know, but, but I really believe that, like, this message is just, you know, one of those things that, that God just wants us to, to not just live our lives, man, you know, not just, just go through the motions, you know, to not just go through everyday stuff, you know, without realizing what the enemy, like, is doing, you know, so, so this is an encouragement for us to open up our eyes, you know, just to really, really, really see, you know, like, what the enemy is doing so that we may be able to guard against that. So, yeah.